Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Site Visibility. I'm your host, Scott Colnut, and with me today is Mike Arnold, author of Slacking Off, a successful way to work from home. And we're going to be discussing how to successfully slack off. What does it mean? Are we slacking off for our productivity, our well-being? Is it good to slack off? Is it not? And what experience Mike has uh, as an author and helping people to slack off successfully and then in your 15 years and plus of working from home. So welcome to the podcast, Mike. Oh, thank you for having me, Scott. I appreciate being here. How far into working from home now are you? The, in the book, I remember it notes 15 years. I think we're a couple of years on from the book now. Are we talking approaching 20 years, maybe? I'm coming close. It's, it's kind of funny. After 10 years, it, it's natural. It's an everyday thing and it becomes uh, easy. And then you get caught up in the traps, you know, <laughs> but, but, and so are you sitting back and looking at the world, moving to hybrid and remote working models and thinking, this is the perfect time for me. I can help all of these people. I can help the world. You must feel like some kind of productivity superhero at this point. I, I, I definitely am looking back at the world and, and thinking, um, I couldn't believe that when I was writing this book in 2019, that this was going to happen. But I actually wanted to solve the same problems that more people than ever before and now having. So it's, the timing is perfect. I seem to have perfect timing with a lot of things. And I, I, but yeah, whoever reads it, I mean, I've always had great, great feedback on, I can't believe that I didn't read this before or, you know, things like, things like that. It's just, uh, uh, amazing. I mean, how many people would you guess probably work from home right now? Probably a good 20 or 30%, at least more than ever before. Perfect timing for the book. Is there anything that you're looking at in terms of the book now and you think, oh, now that everyone's working from home, I could really update that or add a new chapter. Has that been on your mind at all? Uh, completely. As a matter of fact, almost every day, Scott, almost every single day I think about it. And what kind of topics come to mind that have maybe been surfaced or accelerated that maybe aren't covered in your book that are now obvious now more and more people are working from home? You know, uh, camaraderie seems to be the number one thing. Um, it's not, you know, there's a lot of things between my book and uh, the four-hour work week and problems of work that really cover most topics. But the camaraderie is something that none of them cover, including my book. And it's actually the toughest challenge right now. So I'm actually looking at writing something just specifically on how to handle that 
appropriately for whoever you are, right? Because then we're facing with different personality types. But yeah, that camaraderie, you know, that like that social feeling that you get, whether you like it or not, when you walk into a building that you don't get while working from home. Yeah, that's interesting because it's not really covered in your book, although there are some elements of your book that allude to guilt and the feeling of guilt, like if you maybe miss an email or you have to say no to somebody and are kind of getting over that guilt. But just seeing as we're talking about it over these 15 years and as it's not covered in your book, I'm assuming that you have you gone through these feelings of struggling with, I guess, teamwork and camaraderie? Has that been difficult? Totally. um, You know, I've always been somewhat autonomous as far as working without. But I do, however, appreciate when I'm in the element in that moment, working with a team and having those meetings. Uh, I wasn't really a fan of travel because I used to do it a lot just for work only, you know, and then you just get one-sided. But but when I did come together with a team, it was definitely better. But I've actually just heard this from a lot of people who work from home. It's not so much my problem on the camaraderie side of things as it is from what everybody wants. A lot, a lot of people, when they think about anything they bring up, obviously time is one, um, but it's more that they've just accepted that they lose time, um, which I don't like. Why? That's why I wrote this book. So you don't have to, but, but it's really just a camaraderie. That's what they're mostly faced with. That's what the thing that the one thing that the people that work from home successfully, unsuccessfully want is how do I get that same feeling working from home? Is there a way, is there a cheat sheet? Is there a hack? You know, is there something that I can do? Uh, Anyway, there's the obvious like social media stuff, but that's, that is something that, and maybe, Hey, you bring up a good point. Maybe that's the reason that we slack off sometimes on Facebook and some of these other things is because we're craving that camaraderie that, you know, we don't get. That's a very possible situation. You know what? Scratch all that I just said. I, I must have felt guilty for it if that's what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, it's something that I think about, actually. I, I remember talking about this uh, on the podcast a little bit during the pandemic over the last couple of years, talking about this feeling of from a marketing standpoint, people wanting connection, particularly early on in the pandemic over here in the UK, there are no lockdowns in place at the moment. But during the period of lockdowns, people were maybe seeking that connection that they didn't have before. And so it maybe turned people's attention to things like you say in social media, even if you had nothing to say, it's just feeling like you're keeping in touch with people. It just felt like such an important part of the day. Absolutely. I, I definitely myself found myself on social media, primarily Facebook a lot more than ever before. So much, so much to the point where obviously I had to use my own book to, to you know, manage my day better <laughs> to, to get back on track. But, but I think it's just like family and friends, you know, you want to stay close with them. You can't really be around each other. And I, you know, I'm one of those people where I can, I'm very happy to stay in and read and study and, and do all my own thing. And I'm also equally happy with a bunch of people that I, I love and trust and have fun with. Uh, so, so it's really, I don't have a must have, if you will, on those things. But I can only imagine, I mean, what was, so I heard, now don't, don't, uh, if I've got the wrong idea, just flat out tell me. I've heard that, that um, in like the UK, when it's very gloomy outside very frequently, uh, everybody's in the house, nobody likes being outside too much. But as soon as the sun comes out, everybody makes it an outside day. Is that true? I'm I'm smiling because that's very true. Particularly, I live on the coast in Brighton, which is a seafront town. And so in the winter, it's a completely different place to in the summer. And funnily enough, we've hit a patch of kind of really cold weather at the moment. uh, And it's been snowing this week, which in the UK at the end of March, beginning of April is really unusual. So it feels particularly gloomy this week as we're talking. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
that's amazing. So you're waiting. You're just waiting. We're waiting. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I, may you be blessed with more sunny days, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. So you touched on something interesting. You said you were spending a little bit more time on social media. You recognize that in yourself. And I assume a lot of people, because they, they know you're the author of this book, maybe they think that you've got your working day down to an art. But how accurate is that? How much do you still either struggle or have to continuously work at your schedule to improve it? I love that you asked me the question. I'm just going to, I want to preface this or disclaimer this or however you want to say it with the fact that I definitely am not perfect on keeping my schedule the way I have written it all the time. But I wrote the book for anyone who doesn't do it or is thinking of doing it, already doing it, but doesn't prioritize everything they do. And and the reason I do it, um, I wrote it was for myself. I wrote it so that when I decide to slack off on my calendar or prioritizing my daily tasks, as the more I confront and prioritize things, the more things come in to try to fill that space. And so, but, but I have to tell you, I mean, I haven't met one person who hasn't done all these exercises and then gained hours or, or minutes or, or time back in their day. I really have never met anybody who's, who's not done that, who isn't, at least as long as they're not doing the whole thing, just knowing. Um, but I tell you, I recently just reprioritized like workouts and eating um, because I currently am doing some work with some, some medical technology company that's, I mean, up to life-changing technology. And it's become a big priority because I want them to be successful. They're helping people, et cetera. And so I got real busy and I, I'm seven days a week. Um, and I also study seven days a week. And I also do this and promote the book and help people who are working from home and you know help people who are dealing with problems and, and all these things. And so when you're busy like this, and I still, by the way, at the end of my days, don't feel like I've done enough ever. Uh, so, so long story short, I, I frequently play with the idea that I can just go on autopilot, but always, always, always run into something that reminds me that I'm, I need to be practicing what I preach. And that, that is, I wrote the book for myself too, as a roadmap to go back to so that I can always be on top of time and never have time kind of taking over my life, right? Because I, I, I'm a firm believer in you own all time in relation to your existence, you know? So it's, and I, without going too deep, I just, that's one of those things. And anytime you're not doing what I recommend here, at least in some degree, you're, you're totally letting time take over. There's something that's really, that's resonated with me personally in the book. And that's like, I'd consider myself to be a pretty organized person. I imagine my colleagues would say the same thing in terms of my work life. And I'm ambitious in my personal life, but what I hadn't done historically, and I've only started to do this recently, and um, it's funny because it's covered in the book as well, and it becomes so obvious as you read it on paper, to achieve the balance or the things that you want in life, you kind of have to schedule that time in for yourself in the same way that you would work. And I don't know if you've come across this with people that you've spoken to, or maybe even experienced this yourself, but... One reason that I maybe haven't done that for myself in life is because I always thought the idea of scheduling in time for myself for my own endeavors was maybe too strict and maybe wouldn't give me freedom when actually it's completely the opposite. It allows me that freedom to explore the things I want to do. Precisely. I hear that very frequently. I mean, I was that person where I, I was completely against the calendar because I was 
somewhat thought of myself as somewhat of an artist and you know you like spontaneity and uh being able to just shoot from the hip and things like that and there was no fun in being predictable hmm. um so i definitely i definitely 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 um, have that's probably one of the most common um things but certainly not as eloquent as you, as you just stated it to be honest with you um, hmm. so so but but honestly just just i would say to to most people between that and then prioritizing those things and having a roadmap to those that you know hey what's important to me in this moment versus the next moment etc are probably two of the biggest realizations for people and going back to the reason that you wrote the book from what i took from the book the why was largely i mean you talk about there's a why at the very beginning of the book and i think it's about the summary of it is about empowering other people to make use of their time kind of what you were just describing a moment ago but then later in the book, you also talk about balance. And so one message that I took from the book was that it's the, one of the reasons that you kind of created the book and you created these systems was to address your own work-life balance. So is that part of the message as well? Is that part of the truth to the book? That's right. Absolutely. I, I, it wasn't until my journey into a larger corporation like Cox Enterprises where you know, they, they spoke about work-life balance and they, they really tried but the ability to achieve it was was an impossibility. I mean, it's you're a work from home person, you're likely to work more than less and because you're putting so much more in and that's because of the unbalance and because of the the quite um quite large lack of of schedule and rules. So I definitely it's totally the other thing that comes to mind just speaking about it from a marketing or creativity perspective is I think and maybe you'll be able to tell me if this has been your experience speaking with people, but in marketing, we kind of romanticize creativity. So we, <laughs> we romanticize the spontaneity of creativity is probably the best way to describe it. And have you found yourself actually more creative, the greater you structure you've given to your days? I, I have. And, I, and, you know, uh, are you, are you a frequent, um, do you work out frequently? Do you, yep. so, so do you work out the same time of day? Uh, I've started to, but I didn't use to. That this is one of the areas in my personal life that I've been trying to address. Is that I would, I actually set myself unrealistic goals for like working out, and so I had to reframe discipline in my mind as having these set scheduled times. Whereas before, I would try and work out every day, but whenever I could fit it in around work, and I've realised actually that was no good. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. I mean, you know, you can always bypass a scheduled appointment for working out. But you can't bypass, you know, certain other things maybe, right? And that's, I think it's very important. But, but I guess more into why I asked you those questions, you know, when you work out every day at a specific time, your body will start to generate energy in preparation for that workout after so many days or, or even maybe the first workout, depends on who you are. And what I found is, is, you know, if you have a scheduled time for certain things like eating, your body will start to get hungry at that specific time. Now, does that mean you shouldn't be versatile? Obviously not, right? Um, it's kind of one of those uh, prepare for the worst, expect the best, or, or um, you know, just just making sure that you have it there. And and I think that's gonna create creativity for anybody. You know, if you know you you need to be creative, just like you, know you need to wake up at a certain time, you mm-hmm. will. You just have to be in control of your mind, which is easier said than done, right? Yeah, you touch on this a little bit in the book where you're providing examples of someone that doesn't have productive time or hasn't scheduled their time, and then someone that maybe has a little bit of structured time, and then at the end you talk about the master of your own time. 
there's one aspect which stood out to me a lot and i'm sure a lot of people listening that are that have been working from home of experience and that's not eating regularly so sitting at your <laughs> desk and just going from one meeting to another and what's so fascinating is what you just said there about energy because maybe i know i've done this myself is i have devalued or not recognized the impact that not eating regularly has on my energy levels and i've had that moment at the end of the day where it's like oh i'm really hungry and i've got no energy <laughs> it's because i've not eaten <laughs> yeah and then what the thing is is if you're hungry it's likely already affecting you, you know? And so that's, that's actually, I mean, listen, I'm not a doctor, right? But, but I, I happen to work with like quite a few. I never understood that hangry affected everybody. Yeah. And I never understood that, that your mental capacity, your ability. So I, I frequently study very large subjects that are connected and long history um, I study, you know, things such as quantum physics all the way down to just the way electrons and, and um, you know, m- molecules work and function and atoms split and everything else to really understand what anybody's talking about at any given time. And what, I, what I've realized when you're really studying something consistently and you really have to understand something in order to really break it down, that those fundamental things like nutrition and, well, protein and vegetables, right, mostly – are, are utterly important and not even just to, you know, make sure you eat, right? Cause I don't, I don't like to put too much importance on the body other than we're using it. Um, but I definitely have come to realize that sometimes when I'm in traffic and I, I want to yell at the guy for getting close to me or, uh, you know, just anything's irritating me. Irritation is my first sign. And so I've had much less of a, um, well, I've had a, just a better day. Right. When you when you think about it um, and function completely differently and I can do those long nights till 10 or 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock at night with work or whatever, as long as I've had a good foundation of food. And, and there's and any time that somebody will come in and, and try to take that time from you every day. I get an like just this morning, I had another opportunity to bypass my eating time and it's very hard to say no. It's very, very hard to say no. But I don't know about you, but here in the States, nutrition is like in food, you're, you're very unlikely to get vitamins in your food. Very unlikely. Yeah. It's so dwindled down. And is it like that out there? Do you guys still have quite a bit of good nutrition in, in your, in the food that you eat? Uh, I would say it's pretty similar. If anything, the trends in things like vitamins and minerals in the US, that makes its way over here. So for example, I've noticed that athletic greens, and the company on it as well in the fitness space, supplement type companies. Yeah, I think that they started to grow and that part of culture, from my experience, I started to observe that growing in the US ahead of the UK. And now over in the UK, I'm starting to see those equivalent type companies grow. So I feel like you're a couple of years ahead in the US. Wow, mm. I'm surprised. I really thought it was the opposite, but I guess I guess so. I mean, some, well, part of the reason some of these companies are here, right? So it makes sense. You touched on something that was really interesting there about uh, it's really being alert and observing your reaction to slacking off and when slacking off is when you're doing it successfully and when you're not. So is there Mm -hmm. anything else that comes to mind apart from being hangry that our (laughs) listeners, uh, our listeners can learn from you in terms of taking a step back and asking themselves certain questions or recognizing things within themselves that might help them realize that they're slacking off unsuccessfully, that they're not doing well? Yeah, I mean, honestly, any feeling you're feeling that is heavy, that doesn't feel flowing, you know, 
is one, you should recognize that um, either something you're doing or not doing, you know, is getting you there. And, and I, honestly, I'm a big fan of motion. You know, for us that work at home, that we're not always up and moving around maybe quite as much as we used to. Like I have a stand-up, sit-down desk, you know. But but I think anything you're doing, whether if you feel like, if you feel guilty, right, which is the one thing everybody feels or avoids feeling, um, then then I would say just, you know, ask yourself, you know, does this contribute towards my survival? And that's the number one question I ask myself. So like I, I've raised my ethics level to the highest degree possible compared to any earlier time in my life right now. Like I'm, a, I'm one of those people where like, if I'm on Facebook, doesn't matter what time, if I schedule it or not, I ask myself, is this enhancing my survival? If it's not making me survive better, then why am I doing this? You know, and sometimes entertainment does that, right? Going to a comedy show, it makes you feel better. But if it's not enhancing your survival, then you're either contributing towards your survival or you're not. And if you're not contributing towards your survival, then you're not contributing towards your survival. Does <laughs> yeah. that make sense? And there are some practical exercises in the book that allow people to reflect on where they're spending their time. And there's an exercise that you encourage where you take a scenario where someone's asked to work from home and you say, hey, document your work from home day as if you were entirely slacking off. And again, um, you kind of have to read the book to understand it and to actually fill the exercises. So the book will be linked in the show notes. And uh, uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. But I, just on this topic of you know, this came up throughout the book, it seems like you are alert and maybe you document, so you write. So I'm interested to know just if the the process of like journaling or weekly review is something that you do. It does, it does. And I, I have to tell you, my handwriting is incredibly horrible. And I have to overemphasize it because of how bad it is. It's gotten better. Um, I do write a lot, but mostly to uh, draw out, you know, concepts and things that I am learning so that I can understand. I'm a big fan of if you're feeling kind of groggy or you're feeling something that's, or you're just, you know, not understanding, you, you draw it out. And I have whiteboards everywhere in my house. Uh, but I definitely journal uh, a lot more than I used to. I write down, like every single day, I write down what I'm going to be for that day. I write down, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm, you know, an entrepreneur, I'm an author, I'm a, I'm a father, I'm a, you know, family member, I'm a mentor, uh, I'm a friend. You know, I, uh, I'm, I'm somewhat of a counselor, you know, <laughs> I'm an organizer. So I try to, I try to make sure to do that on a daily basis. I don't always do it. I took something from a guy named Grant Cardona, um, but he's a, an excellent marketer. I mean, just a, a brilliant leader, you know, just one of those people I'll make, you know, help you make a million dollars, but it's, it's very practical. And he, he actually says you should write your goals every day and night. And that's one thing I do. Here's one thing that I do that's totally unique to me. Whenever I'm feeling uh, less than or feeling like, and I say less than, like I didn't achieve what I wanted to achieve, right? Like I mentioned to you earlier. And I still do, I, I feel very fulfilled and very content. But there are moments in a day where I feel as though I didn't achieve all I wanted to achieve. Now, instead of like introverting and thinking about how horrible it is or even trying to beat myself up about it, what I do is I just write those things down. I literally take whatever, if I have any emotion that is, is, uh, something that just is kind of feels like that tugging at you, I write it down on paper. 
You know, I just write whatever it is I'm feeling on paper. And usually that helps me confront whatever it is and kind of blows it away a little bit um, or it helps me address it, you know, a little bit better. But, you know, I think frequently for, for most people, they're introverting quite a bit on anything. You know, you play piano, you're like, did I miss that key? Or, Am I going to miss that key? Instead of just being there in that present moment, I think that's, that's a lesson I keep learning more and more frequently. So, so that's something journaling mostly has helped me do. Um, while it doesn't happen frequently, it definitely is helpful in the moment, usually late at night, right before bed. Um, I'll write down whatever it is that, that's on my mind. Um, and again, I don't do it all the time, but it's helpful. The theme of confronting the things that are unproductive, a thread throughout the book. Is there anything that's still like 17 years on that you still struggle with very specifically that you have to become you have to be really disciplined around something practically that which is maybe just your voice for distraction. Mm, you know, for me, gosh, you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be totally shockingly honest here. You know, memes throw me every day. I, I love memes. They're like <laughs> one of my most favorite things to look at because they're so politically uh, out there and they're, and some of them are just incredible. Memes are like my sidetrack device, right? If I'm in the middle of a really amazing conversation and I, I don't like where it's going, I usually deal with it right then and there. Um, but if I'm doing something that requires me to, I don't know, if it's like an overwhelm or something situation or, or even just trying to slack off, it's usually me looking at new memes that just came out today or something like that. Um, because I, they're just laughter is so important for me. Yeah. Um, it's such an amazing uh, emotion, you know, to, to feel just how something can be funny without it being artificial. So I would say, you know, laughter. You know, I'm always seeking to laugh about something, including <laughs> me, uh, you know, working out or, or facing a challenge. You know, I tend to laugh at things before they bother me. And, and usually that sidetracks it bothering me. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be it. It would be, it would be memes, believe it or not. And in terms of more broadly, the the things that you most often see come up, or maybe even actually the surprising things that come up when you speak to other people about the things that then distract them. I think, for example, social media, YouTube is probably a given. But is there anything that might surprise our listeners to hear and that will actually make us look and reflect on ourselves and think, oh, actually, that sounds like me? I mean, I think the memes is, is probably certainly one. But, but I would say, you know, it's easy to put anything on. You know, and I think for me, it depends on who you are. I'm one of those people where my whole life I could put something off till the last minute and still succeed to the degree that I, I might actually be the best or come close to the best by doing, by doing the, the least amount of prep work. And so when you've been so right doing the, the procrastination and, and the slacking off, it really makes it even harder to even look at yourself and say, could I do better? You know, and it's like, there's a lot of, you know, uh, thought out there about why do I need to have this nice car? Why do I need to have this nice house or have this family? I don't need to live by other people's standards. And it's completely true. But I believe that the, the ultimate feeling most people feel is that they didn't do enough in some way, shape or form. And whether they reveal it to others or not. And I think the reason is because they really aren't doing everything they can do. And so from a reflection point of view, if I were to be the mirror at this moment, 
if you're like me and you slack off and still can do a really good job, you know, competing, whatever it is you do, organizing yourself and making sure you control your time, I wonder just how good you could really be. And that's really ultimately the number one question that we should be asking ourselves. It's not that we can do great even by doing little. It's how much better could you do and what precedence could you set for the rest of the world? Because honestly, who, who in the hell wanted to follow somebody who didn't set a precedence? And I doubt that they were setting a precedence in, in a way that was slacking off all the time and, and doing very little. And, it, and I also doubt that they were being pressured to do so. Not everyone, but I can imagine all people. Uh, just leading on from that, just around the point of maybe discipline, there's a topic in the book that you cover. I think it might there might even be a whole chapter on it. And it's the topic of saying no or how to deliver no and how that impacts taking control of your schedule. And so I'm interested to just know the techniques that you learn and maybe did you have to overcome that difficulty of saying no? Was that natural to you? Was it unnatural? And how long did it take before you got comfortable with saying no to people? Uh, absolutely. Everything that I've gone through is, you know, what I've done here in this book is taken all the problems I've had and then looked at the times I was successful and then gave everybody the successful actions. And that's the way I created it. So everything that I've done here and put here, I faced. And these stories are, are, are real. That's like real information. Like all these stories before the exercises, those are all real. So, so absolutely, you know, have faced these things. Uh, so, so in the beginning, I didn't say no to anything. In the beginning of my, my work from home career, I said yes to everything. And while it actually helped me tremendously in work, it actually really made my home life suffer. You know, my daughter's first year of existence was, was very uh, frequently me saying goodnight. You know, and, and sometimes not even that, but more mentally, I wasn't there. I was always focused on something else. I missed that, that, that was something that I don't like. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to do that now, but it became more of a matter of a fear of saying no, that I was going to like lose a job or lose a partner or lose a, lose a client or, um, it was it was somehow taught to me at a at a young age that you say yes to your your superiors and you say yes always you you're just like a yes man to to a lot of a lot of things and um when i reoriented myself back to what mattered to me and and what like my personal integrity which is the number one driver to happiness in my my opinion is being in personal integrity with myself when I did that and started my day with why and understood what fulfilled me and how I needed to be handled before dealing with anything else, it became so much easier to say no. Now, in the beginning, it was, it was strange. You know, for me, it was like I felt the guilt saying no. Like, oh, something's going to happen. You know, I had this preconceived idea. But as I started to do it, I was becoming more successful, believe it or not. Now, I, I'm not a, a friend of saying no to everything just because you don't want to do it. Right, I'm not. I'm not uh, supporting that in any way. What I'm supporting, and I'm so happy you actually brought this up. Now that I think about it, um, I'm supporting you saying no to things that you should say no to. Something that's going to create an overwhelming number of things for you to do. You know that you can handle right in that moment is not something that you should say no to, but something that comes and tries to take away your lunch, or your breakfast, or your, your dinner, or your workout. 
is something you should say no to. And why is that? Well, because factually, this based on my survey of many doctors that I've spoken to, motion is what keeps you alive. You know, motion, you're, you're, obviously you keep yourself alive, but, but motion's a big deal. I've never seen something heal a body more than motion. And so what that means is longevity, everything else. I mean, your, your molecules, your, your, um, your cells are moving nonstop. You're never not moving. There's no part of your body that's not moving cellularly. So when you think about that, it, it's very important. And so saying no to things that you should say no to, part again by prioritizing things that matter and should be taking your time, really will help you stay in integrity with yourself, in my opinion. And that is the key to happiness or one of the keys to happiness is staying in personal integrity with yourself. And so in the, in the almighty scheduler wizardry that, that happens today, <laughs> you, you become more busy. You become more, you have more opportunities to say yes. And you do say yes more. See the key, like you had mentioned earlier to scheduling and prioritizing your personal items along with your, your work is that you will have more time and therefore more opportunities to obviously allow people to take or things to take that time from you, you know, choosing it. And obviously that's fine if you have it. But the point is, is that I now personally have more important things coming into my life to take my time. Like go volunteer for this group that helps people that has a 99.9% success rate of helping all addicts stop becoming addicted to, to drugs and alcohol and whatever, right? Can you volunteer here? Can you, oh, can you go help these people over here who have, you know, major mental problems and you could change their life forever, right? <laughs> can you go, you know, so that the things become bigger and more important as I continue. And sometimes, it just is a matter of whether or not it is important in that particular moment to say yes. Now, obviously, I want to do everything. I want to help everybody. That's like I'm one of those people where I want to say yes, but I know that there's sometimes you just have to say no. But, it, but the thing is, is, what makes me different is that I know what I should say yes to and no to based on my current life and, and where I want to go. And again, it goes back to that question again that I, I mentioned to you earlier. How does this enhance my survival and the, and the things around me I'm responsible for? You know, obviously I want to help mankind. I think we all kind of have that tugging at us sometimes, but, um, or hence I wrote the book, but is it going to enhance my survival right now by saying yes to this? And I'd add to that as well, taking part of your book and the conversation full circle, it's a deep, it's kind of a deep understanding of your why. Everything that you do, as you said, it, you, it furthers your ability to achieve whatever your why is, which is something that you tackle very early on in the book. Yeah, exactly. Mike, I'll thank you for your time. It's been, I love the book, Slacking Off, A Successful Way to Work from Home. You can find that everywhere. You can find good books. And Mike, before I let you go, do you want to let our listeners know where else they can find you? You know, uh, Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, obviously the the slacking off book is, is on all of those. Definitely send me a message if you read the book and you and you, you have thoughts or you just want to give me, you know, any wins you've had. I, I would love to hear. I love to hear what you've got from the book, what, what you've received, what you've changed or, or how it's inspired you in any way. And maybe say a little no today.
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible Resistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.